You think I'm preaching too hard? You have lost your mind. Morning. Happy to be here. Many years ago, an English preacher by the name of Henry Valley, he said to me, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and in and by and through a man fully and wholly consecrated to Christ. Then he said to me, are you O and O? I said, what's that? He said, are you out and out for God Almighty? Well, I had to think about that. Well, I was serving God. I was preaching for God. I was doing a lot of work for God, but I couldn't tell you that I was out and out for God. See, if we'll give our lives wholly to God, completely to God, so that the world can indeed see what God can do with a person whose life is fully and wholly consecrated, set aside for Jesus Christ. Now this morning, uh, I want to share with you some things God's taught me about law and grace. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, we're going to start here in verse 19, verse 20. I had somebody talk to me uh, after the first service this morning, because uh, now my English ain't too good. So if you've got any English teachers out there, you're just going to have to sit on your hands. You understand that? <laughs> I quit school when I was in the third grade. So I got a lot of energy, I got a lot of goal, but I ain't got a lot of education. So we're just going to go from there. So if I say a few ain'ts and my subjects and verbs don't quite line up, well, you're just going to have to deal with that. The Apostle Paul, as he's putting out here in the book of Romans, he tells us here, for by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what he's saying right there is this. The law is going to take you down to death. Grace is going to give you life. Now, you think about that. God told Moses, you go up here on the mountain, I'm going to give you the law. I'm going to carve them out of stone with my own finger. And he gave us the Ten Commandments. All the thou shalt nots. So Moses had them. Had him in his hands. He's walking down. He gets down the mountain. And the first thing the law did was cause the death of thousands of people. You ain't never thought about that, have you? <laughs> yes, sir. <clears throat> Moses got off that mountain. And he's trying to lead the children of Israel through the wilderness. God was trying to carry him on. They'd had the promise of God, but they had the law. And you see, the, the promise of God, the law of God will take him to the river, but it wouldn't take him across. It took a fellow by the name of Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, that's what that means, salvation, Savior, to take him across the river. 
And that's the way it is. Law is going to take you down to death, but grace will take you across to life. Law will take you to the river, but grace will take you across. The law will take you to the river, but Jesus Christ will take you to eternity. <clears throat> and so there we go. You see, that's the difference between law and grace, between law and the gospel. Now, John the Baptist, he was the one that went before Christ. He was a forerunner, if you will, cousin of Jesus Christ. I love to read them stories about how it, uh, you know, he leapt in the womb there of his, his mother, Elizabeth, uh, Mary's cousin, when she went there to see her. And I love that story. I think it's so funny. But he was preaching the law. And when he would baptize them in the Jordan, he was baptizing them unto repentance to the law. But see, he was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ come to obey the law, to be baptized, that John was doing. And John said, well, I ain't, ain't even good enough to tie your shoes. <laughs> tie your sandals. But Jesus Christ come to bring grace and truth. See, law is going to take you down to death, but grace is going to bring you out into life. John thundered out the law, and he would take his hearers right down to the Jordan, and he would baptize them, and he put them in the place of death, but that was as far as he could take them, and death is as far as the law can take you. Moses come off that mountain, 3,000 people died. But when the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved. That's the difference between law and grace. You see, you can run through all the scriptures from beginning to end, from Genesis to the Revelation, and all you will ever find is that sin reigns unto death, that law brings death. Now, I've got a friend in Chicago, and uh, he loves the law. Yes, sir, he can tell you every thou shalt not, and he's got a few that ain't even in the Bible. Some of you probably do, too. He loves the law, and he don't like it when I start preaching grace. In fact, sometimes, if I'm preaching in Chicago, and he knows I'm at one church, he'll try to get in there the next Sunday so he can preach law after I've preached grace. <laughs> I had a friend, I was out of the country, and, uh, and so uh, this other fella, he's been preaching the law, you know, and so I asked my friend about him. He, they, we all knew each other, you know, and, and I said, uh, how's that going? He said, oh, he's preaching the law, all right. I said, well, is he having any, any results? No. See, because the law is only going to take you down to death. Grace is going to give you life. The law will take you down to the river, but grace will get you across the river. You've got to understand that. Sin, the law, brings death. Grace, the love of God, brings life. So simple. I was over in England and uh, had some friends over there. I got friends every place and... Uh, he was telling me a story, and it was kind of odd. He was uh, at one of the prisons, Old Bailey. That's uh, one of their prisons in uh, law court and prison. And, and so there he was, and uh, he was at the Old Bailey. And the chaplain there, he said, uh, there's a funeral today. If you've never seen a funeral at the cemetery here at the, the, the ba Old Bailey in the law, would you like to come? And my friend said, well, it'd be kind of odd, but yeah, sure, I'll go. <laughs> He'd been invited, you know. So there they go. They go to where the... The funeral is going to be such as it was, and the, he, here's a casket. And a prisoner who died there in prison, he was in the casket. And they had some warders that were going to carry the casket. And the chaplain was there, and my friend was there, and he was telling the story. And he looked, and there was another fella. He was walking behind the casket. 
So my friend thought, well, maybe he's a family member or, or maybe he's this fellow's lawyer or, or something, you know, he didn't know what it was. And, and so there they go and they went to the prison cemetery and there was a hole already dug there and the waters, they let that box down in the, in the cemetery, in the grave there. And, and the, the chaplain, he said a few words and, and then they, you know, started shoveling the dirt in. And when the dirt was shoveling in, the fella that had come by himself, he just kind of nodded his head one time, turned around, went left out. So my friend said, well, who's that? Is he a relative? Is he a, a friend? The chaplain said, no. No, he represents the law of England. He's here to make sure that the law was carried out. And you see, that's the way it is. The law can follow you right to the grave. And then its job is done. See, after that fellow was buried, the criminal was buried, while the law of England had no more hold on him. And the law is going to take you down to death, but sin or grace is going to take you into life. And that's the, the way it goes. The law of God does that to the sinner. It will bring us to death and it will leave us right there. Now, there's all kinds of people that are trying to save themselves through the law. You know, they've got that list the thou shalt nots. And like I say, they've added a few more to it. Make sure. Just in case there's one God forgot, you know. In case the Almighty God had maybe forgot something. So they added that up, you know, added a few to it. And they got their list and they said, Thou shalt not, yes, sir, ain't done that. Thou shalt not, ain't done that. Thou shalt not, ain't done that. There's a whole lot of things they ain't done. Not much they have done. And I hear people like that. Now, you know, I'm talking to them and they'll say, Well, I've been I've pretty good lived a pretty good life. Have you now? I love it when they say that. <laughs> I've lived a good life. Have you now? How good have you lived? Oh, near about perfect. Oh, near about. What does that mean? Well, there's a little room for improvement here and there. I said, so you haven't done exactly your best in everything. Well, I'd hate to say that sound kind of proud if you'd said, well, I've done my best in everything. and I've lived a perfect life. Well, well nobody's going to be proud enough to say that. So then I take them to their own ground. I say, was there maybe a time when you didn't live the clean life, when you didn't live the best life, when you didn't do exactly what you think you were supposed to do? That maybe there's just a chance that you messed up one time? Well, maybe. My beloved friends, if you want to do the best you can, then do it in the grace of the Lord God Almighty, because that is the best thing that any of us can do. That any man, that any woman can do is to trust the grace of the Lord God Almighty. Now, I hear people tell me sometimes, well, well why did God give us the law? I'm going to tell you. He gave us the law to shut us up. To shut our mouths. You see, the law was given so that not now one of us could have an excuse to say, well, I didn't know that. Well, I've done my best. 
You see, the scripture tells us, we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Right. (laughs) You see, the law is there to tell us that you cannot keep it. That you cannot obey it. That you can live the best you can live. But it ain't going to be good enough. The law is there to show us that we can't keep it. The law is there to shut our mouths. You see, the law shuts my mouth, but grace opens it. The law condemns, grace forgives. And when the Lord God Almighty opens the fountain of grace, it just keeps right on flowing out over us all our entire lives throughout all eternity. And when we can get our eyes open, when we can see this glorious truth, then we'll stop fighting. We'll stop struggling. You know, there's a whole mess of people out there. They are desperately trying to keep the law. They live their lives in fear that they're going to mess up. Well, let me tell you, you ain't got to be afraid of it. You're going to mess up. It's going to happen. Because we cannot keep the law. And even the ones you make up and add to yourself, you still ain't going to keep it. We cannot keep the law. And so it's there to shut our mouths. It's there to tell us we cannot keep it. And the only way we're going to succeed is to give ourselves up for lost and take the salvation of the Lord God Almighty as a free gift. You see, life never came through the law. When the law came down, men died. When the grace of God came down in the Holy Spirit, men lived. And that's the difference. The law says, smite him. Grace says, kiss him. The law goes after the sinful man and binds him. And grace says, loose him and let him go. You ever think about that? That's how that works. The law is going to kill you. Grace is going to save you. And I pity those people who are desperate to keep the law because you cannot keep it. Let me tell you something. Without the intervening presence of the Holy Spirit, you cannot live the life God wants you to live. You cannot keep the law. And if you ain't got Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can't keep the law. Well, that don't seem too fair, people say. Well, how can I know if I'm sinning? Are you breathing? (laughs) The Bible tells us the plowing of the wicked is sin. See, I hear all kinds of people, well, I ain't never done that, and I sure ain't never done that, and, and I'm better than him, and well, I ain't done what she's done. It don't matter. Don't matter now a bit. Because we cannot keep the law. It is there to condemn us. But grace is there to save us. Grace is there to, get a, to give us life. Let me tell you something. If the law is the only door to heaven, then there's no one who has any hope of arriving there. 
The scripture tells us if you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. The scripture tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not some, not most, not near about all, but all. All. Now Paul says in the Galatians is the law then against the promises of God. God forbid. If there had been a law given that could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ may be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith that should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Now I know all about schoolmasters. Now, the smart people, I was talking about the smart people, they said that, that back in them times that the schoolmaster, what he was, was a slave that had a stick. And he would get the children that were supposed to be going to school and grab them up by the hand and haul them to school. And if they tried to get away, they got the stick. They got the rod. Believe me, I know all about that. I got it plenty when I was a little boy. Yes, sir. And that's what the law is there for. The law is to take you to grace. The law is to take you to the place of death. The law is to show you, you cannot live this life without Jesus Christ. Because you see, we who know Jesus Christ as our Savior are children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us, John chapter 3, Jesus Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world. Of course, that's why some of you think you're here. Because that's what you do. Look at what he done. Look at what she done. Look at what they're doing. Jesus Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But the law came to condemn. And the law cannot give life. The only thing the law can do is bring us to the one who is life. It is our schoolmaster. Now, Northfield, Massachusetts, where I come from, we had these, I suppose you could say two parties, uh, political parties, uh, but they were sort of law and grace. And for many years, the law, the law party was in, they was in power. And the law party, they hired the schoolmaster, the teacher, who had the biggest stick they could find. They figured the way to learn is get hit over the head. And of course now, for some of us, like me, that might be the best way to, get, to learn, you know, get hit in the head a few times. And so... Going to school was all about the law. Going to school was all about obeying the rules. Going to school was all about doing what you're told to do and nothing else. But then one day the election came and the grace party got in. Well, now let me tell you, I told you I quit school and I was in the third grade. And uh, sometimes people think, well, children don't think that way. Oh, yes, they do. If they can get out of something, they can think about it. And so when I hear that the grace party was in, I said, well, good. They're going to get rid of that stick. They're going to get rid of that law. And I can do anything I want to in school. I thought, this is it. This is going to be a wonderful year at school. I can do anything. I can disobey. I can, talk. I can do whatever I want to do. Because grace party is in. And not only that, they hired a beautiful school teacher. Not with them skinny men. Lovely lady. And she got up there. I thought she was an angel. She was beautiful. Now, we was in a one-room schoolhouse. You know, everybody's all sort of there together. And uh, that first day of school, I was thinking to myself, yes, sir, going to be a good year. 
Got a beautiful teacher. She's nice and sweet. Looks like an angel and ain't going to use a stick. And I can do anything I want to. So I did. And she said, Dwight Moody. That's my name. That's what the DL stands for. Dwight Lyman Moody. My friends just call me DL. My real name, my full name is Dwight Lyman Ryder Moody. But we fell out with the Ryders, so they don't talk to us, and I don't use their name no more. <laughs> but she said, Dwight Moody, I needed to talk to you after school. Well, I thought, wait a minute. Where's the love in that? I'll bet she's got a stick hid somewhere. Probably parked in a corner somewhere, hidden under the desk somewhere. Maybe it's just a small one, but I bet she's got one. Yes, sir. All that talk about grace, all that talk about love. No, sir. She's got a stick, and I'm going to get it after school. They lied to me. So the end of the day came, and there we sat. All the other children left. And they left thinking, yes, sir, Dwight's going to get it. <laughs> so I was there at my desk. had my inkwell over here. And she cut up and sat at a desk across from me. She said, Dwight, if I cannot rule the school by love, then I will quit my job. If I cannot get you to obey the rules here at school and obey me because you care about me and love me, then I have no place here. Broke my heart. Started blubbing. The third grade boys don't like to blub, don't like to cry. But I was crying. You see, her love, her grace, broke my hard heart. And I said, you will have no more trouble from me. And I was as good as my word because I loved her. I wanted to get to school early so I could see her. I wanted to stay late so I could see her. If she wanted something erased on the board, I was right there. If she wanted the room cleaned, I was cleaning it. Because I loved her. And you see, that is the way it is. The Lord Jesus Christ said to us, if you love me, what will you do? Keep my commandments. You see, that's the difference between law and grace. Law don't care whether you love it or not. It's there. It's fixed. It's set. But grace gives life. Grace gives love. Grace will take us through to where God wants us to be. So there we were. The difference between law and grace. If you love me, keep my commandments. The Lord Jesus Christ takes us out from under the law and he puts us under grace. The scripture tells us there is now therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. So Satan can take the law and he knows the law. He is the diabolos. He is the accuser, the destroyer, the prosecuting attorney, if you will. And he takes the law and he says to God Almighty, our father, this is where they broke the law. Look at there. Thou shalt not, he done it. Thou shalt not, she done that. 
And he points the finger at us. He accuses us. He brings the law to us so that he can take us and kill us for all eternity. But the Lord Jesus Christ said, no, I have fulfilled that law. I have kept the law. So the scripture tells us, because sin came in with Adam, and so by one man, all will be set free because of Jesus Christ. As we believe in him, as we accept him, as we take his grace. And it is the love of God that draws us to God himself. It is his love for us in Jesus Christ that draws us to himself. There on the cross, Jesus Christ must have looked a horrible sight. He'd been scourged. He'd been beaten. His face was bruised and bleeding. There's a crown of thorns on his head. Blood was, blood was running down his face. The scripture tells us that there was nothing about him that was beautiful. And he was there like a lamb before the shearers is dumb as they drove the spikes into his arms, into his feet. As they put a sword in his, a spear in his side. And did he curse them? Did he swear at them? Did he bring down the, the judgment of God upon them? No. He said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And the thief on one side of him heard them words. He heard what grace can do. He heard what love can do. He heard what it means to forgive. And he turned to Jesus Christ and he said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus Christ said, You shall be with me in paradise this very day. Now the other fella, the law killed him. And he died. And he's in hell right now for all eternity. Because he did not allow, allow grace to cleanse his sin. Now let me tell you something. I believe that there is no person so evil, so wicked, so far gone that the love of God cannot draw them back to himself and forgive their sins. Now, are there people wicked? Yes, there are. Are there evil people? Oh, yes. But the love of God can touch their hearts if they will open their hearts to Him. The love of God can draw them to Himself. The love of God can cleanse their sin. The love of God can draw them. As I said in Romans chapter 2, and verse 4, the goodness of God, the kindness of God brought them to obedience. The love of Jesus Christ can cleanse the sin. The story told about an old Quaker feller out of Philadelphia. His name was Isaac Hopper. How's that for a name? He was a Quaker, so he knew the law. He knew righteousness. Yes, sir. He was upright, fine, fine man. And he came across a man who was a profane man. His name was Cain. How'd you like to live with that name for all, all time? Cain. And Cain was a profane man, and he would swear till the air was blue. Now, in them days, you could be fined for swearing. Now, that would take care of all of our financial troubles in government, wouldn't it? If you could <laughs> find people for swearing. Yes, sir, we'd have money left over. 
Maybe that's what they need to do. Forget all these other taxes, just find people for swearing. So there there was, and this man was profane. Cain was a profane man, and he was swearing a blue streak. And Isaac Hopper, well, he, he took him to court. And at the laws of the time, you could be fined for profanity, for blasphemy. And so Cain was fined. They went their separate ways. 20 years later, Isaac Hopper was walking down the street there in Philadelphia, and he seen old Cain again. And you know them Quakers, they have a, an odd way of talking. And He saw Cain and, and he saw how downtrodden he was and how worn at the heel he was and how that life had not been kind to Cain, not, life had not been good to him. And Isaac Hopper's heart was broken, pierced by that, his suffering. And so he went up to him and he said, Dost thou remember me, friend? Cain said, Oh, I remember you. And Isaac Hopper said, do you remember how I had thee fined for swearing? Oh, yes, I remember. I remember how much I paid. I've remembered it every day of my life. And <clears throat> Isaac Hopper saw that this man's life had been eaten up with bitterness from that event. And it had worn him down and torn him up. So Isaac Hopper said, I meant it for thy good. Did it do thee any good? No. Cain said, didn't do me a bit of good. It made me mad. Turned me against everybody. Made me bitter and angry at life. So Isaac Hopper said, I remember that thy fine was this much. And my intent was to do thee good. And since my intention to do thee good was not carried out, I would like to pay thy fine with interest back to thee again. And he gave him the money. That act of kindness broke Cain's heart. Nobody had ever treated him with kindness before that. It broke his heart and did away with the anger and the bitterness. And tears rolled down his cheeks. And that one act of kindness changed Cain. And you see, that is the way of it with grace. It will change us. And there is a great deal of difference between law and grace. The scripture tells us being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith. Now think about that. Under the law, if you went into the temple and you won't clean, you died. Only the priest could go into the holiest of holies and he had to be covered in the blood of the sacrifice. Anybody else going in there, they'd be dead just like that because that's what the law does. It kills you. But by the grace of God, we have access. We can go not only into heaven itself, but into the very throne room of God himself and let him hold us to himself. We have access by grace into this faith wherein we stand. We have access to the Lord God Almighty. We have access to the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. We have access to Jesus Christ who promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is the difference between law and grace. Law excludes, grace includes. Law kills, grace brings life. Law keeps you out, grace brings you in. And so we have access by faith into this grace when we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, there are three very precious things that I see here. 
I see that grace gives us peace for the past. Now there's folks here that you've got some bad stuff going on in your life in the past. You've done some bad things. But grace can take that all away. Grace makes that disappear. I already told you, the Bible tells us, there is now therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And grace brings us peace for all that is past. Because when Satan brings up all those things to God Almighty, the Lord God Almighty looks at that and he says, I don't see any sin. All I see is this child washed clean by the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. All I see is the righteousness of Jesus Christ in us. But you see, grace also brings us peace for the present. I ain't got to worry about what is going to happen because I know that I am in God's hand. I know that God's thoughts of me, as the psalmist says, are more in number than the sands upon the seashore. I know that he has beset me behind and before. I know that he knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. That's what Psalm 139 tells us. It tells us that we have peace for the present in the power of God because of grace itself. But that's not all. We have glory for the future. Because of grace, we are going to heaven. Because of grace, we will have eternity with Jesus Christ. Because of grace, we will have eternity with God. Scripture tells us, Corinthians, when we get to heaven, we shall know even as we are known. Imagine that. All them people down here that think they know everything finally will know it. <laughs> I know as soon as I said that, three or four, oh yes, I know who he's talking about right here. <laughs> but you see, grace gives us peace and freedom from our sins of the past. It gives us trust in the present because we are in God's hands. It gives us glory for the future because we are washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. We can look back to the cross. We can take comfort in the cross. We can look forward to the cross. You see, Jesus Christ was the end of the law for righteousness because he tasted death for every man. Imagine it like this. The scripture tells us, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And when we are born, we are born in sin. That's what the scripture tells us. And there should be a cross for every human being that has ever been born since Adam until this very present moment. The earth should be covered with crosses for us. But because of Jesus Christ, because of his death and burial and resurrection on the cross, on our cross, on your cross, there would need to be only one. And so there is glory for time to come. There is peace for the present and peace for the past because we are going to inherit a glorious kingdom. And let me encourage those of you who have a past. Stop lugging it around. Leave it at the cross. It's gone. It is buried in the depths of the deepest sea. That is what scripture tells us. It is put behind God's back, never to be seen anymore. It is removed as far as the east is from the west. Let it go. Let it go. Loose him and let it go. That's what, let him go. That's what the scripture tells us. 
Now, it ought to show. It ought to show on our faces. It ought to show on our countenances. Because people should know that we have the grace of God within us by the way we look. And God's grace has enough power to carry us through without doubt, without faltering. Now, someone has compiled this list. Don't quote it as coming from me. You understand that? I'm reading it. I didn't write it. You understand? So don't attribute this to me. I ain't that smart. The law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. The law says, do this and you shall live. Grace says, live and you shall do this. The law says, pay me what thou owest. Grace says, I forgive thee all. The law says, the wages of sin is death. Grace says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The law says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Grace says, whosoever believeth in Jesus Christ, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. The law pronounces condemnation and death. Grace pronounces justification and life. The law says, you make you a new heart and a new spirit. And grace says, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. The law says, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Grace says, blessed is the man whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. What a glorious thought. The law says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Grace says, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And gave his son to be a propitiation for our sins. How could we not love God? He gives us the air we breathe. The earth upon which we walk. The sun to rule by day and the stars by night. He makes the earth to bring forth the fruit and we enjoy it. How could we not love him but there is nothing about us that would cause him to love us. He just does. The law speaks of what man must do for God. Grace tells us what Christ has done for us. The law addresses a man as part of the old creation. The grace makes us a new creation. The law bears on the nature prone to disobedience. Grace creates a nature inclined to obedience. The law demands obedience by the fear of the Lord. Let me tell you something. The law is about fear. It is about duty. It is about doing something because you're afraid you're going to be punished. You're doing something because you're afraid people are going to turn away from you if you don't do it. And grace... Grace is about the mercy of God. The law demands holiness. Grace gives holiness. The law says condemn him. Grace says embrace him. The law speaks of priestly sacrifices offered year by year continually, which could never make the comers unto perfect perfection. Grace says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, by that one offering hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. The law declares that as many have been sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Grace brings eternal life to the troubled soul of every child of God. And it proclaims God's salvation in defiance of the accusations of Satan, the adversary. 
He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. Poet has written, Whence to me this tranquil spirit, me all sinful as I am? Is it thus descends the merit of the sin-atoning lamb? Grace, all power to deliver, gift of a creative giver, like a full refreshing river ever flowing. Over all my course of sinning, spread its waters without bound, cleansing, fertilizing, winning for the Lord the barren ground. Lavish from the heavenly treasure, fountains of a father's pleasure, all the marks of human measure overflowing. Not my virtue or repenting earn the precious boon for me, thine, my savior. The relenting, thine the pangs which set me free. Gift of grace beyond all knowing, from the heart of Jesus flowing, ever flowing, overflowing, flowing freely. That's what grace does for us. Now I'm going to stop talking here in just a minute, but I need to leave you with one more thing. On October the 8th, 1871, I was preaching at my church. There was a commotion going on, and folks was getting restless, and so I got to the end of the sermon, and I said, now, folks, I ain't going to give an invitation tonight. You're just going home, and next week when you come back, I'll, well, I'll ask you what you decided for God. And... Um, And I sent my church out into the Chicago fire. And I never give them a chance to accept the grace of God that night. Now, I got my family safe away. And I tried to fight the fire best I could, but there won't no fighting it. Chicago in them days was all made out of wood, and it burned like a matchstick. got myself down to the waterfront and I just I just watched it burn I watched it all night long the sun rose and the smoke was still there the fire had died down a little bit burnt itself out and I made my way back best I could back to the church it had burnt right to the ground my pulpit where I'd been standing it was made out of wood and it was burned there just little pieces of it But I made a vow to God that day. I said, I will never end a service without giving folks a chance to decide about choosing Jesus Christ. And I ain't never broke that promise. So this morning, there's the choice between law and grace. There is the choice to live a life for Jesus Christ or to live a life for yourself. You just be real quiet here. Brother Keith, he's going to come up here and close us. You just don't do anything. Just listen. May the grace of God be with you and the blessing of God be upon you. May the peace of God rule in your hearts. Amen.